strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Welcome to the Irreverent Sermon Podcast. This is Daniel French and it's Gaudate Sunday, the third Sunday in Advent, where our theme is rejoicing. Even if times are tough, we are called through the scriptures to rejoice. If you have a Bible to hand, then I'm going to read from the 35th chapter of Isaiah, the first 10 verses. It's a fantastic, hope-filled piece, and the prophet invites us to consider the end of our exile as it was for the Hebrews. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it but it shall be for God's people. No traveller, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Generations back, Advent was a sort of mini Lent rather than a season where we put up our Christmas trees really early and uh, scoffed down loads of mince pies. Um, Advent was a season of preparation, of penance, of waiting and watching and the readings Uh, over those weeks built that up, that sense that we're celebrating not only Christ's birth but we're we're waiting and watching as Christians for Christ's return. But like Lent, if you did buy into this season of penance, you know that after a few weeks where it's like it's like doing a marathon, you come to a point where you need a water break. And so this Sunday was offered as a refreshment A reminder that it's not all about our works, our piety, but it's about our relationship with Christ and his saving work. It's about seeing him as the light at the end of the tunnel. Does that make sense? Well, look at it another way. And this is with particular reference to Isaiah 35. The all-defining crisis for the Hebrews should have been 
the exodus from Egypt. Surely that is a once in a civilizational event. Hard lessons learnt, reinforced at every Passover, lest we go there again. But it doesn't. I mean, in some ways that's what makes the Hebrew story so appealing, is its raw, unedited nature, warts and all. And what happens, as we know, is that after settling into the promised land, uh, things begin to go awry because they seek to be like any other nation. Because, well, let's face it, it's easier, isn't it? And this leads then to centuries of disruption, schism, heresy, political breakdown, and eventually they are an easy target for invasion. And not only is the government decapitated, but the best and the brightest are deported to Babylon, whereas Psalm 137 in that infamous line says, we sat down and wept while we remembered Zion. 70 years of exile. But it is the gift of a loving and a merciful God to redeem his people. He did not abandon them. And that time of exile became a period of incredible re renewal. They became more zealous, they could see that they had to stand out as God's people. And they began to understand the nature of God, that God wasn't just one deity amongst many, but was the, the universal creator. He was the almighty. Of course, such beliefs in pagan antiquity were highly contentious. And it would mean that the Hebrews would know that kickback and rejection and marginalisation for the rest of their history. Isaiah foretells that there will be a new exodus and that they will return back to the Holy Land and rebuild it and that it will be a pilgrimage of joy. I mean, this is a hard journey for them to do. They're going to have to learn once more to be a desert people, to go through some of the most precarious terrain it could be five, six hundred miles, or if they did the long way around, it could be 1,300 miles, all on foot. This is their second exodus, but now without Moses. Instead, God the Almighty will lead them through. They will know him as the holy way, and they will walk with joy, such that even the desert itself will rejoice and blossom at their presence. Hot sands will become pools of soothing water. Thirsty ground, springs of water. Places that were wild beasts are going to be safe and fertile lands. And on this holy way, the blind will find their sight. The deaf will have their ears unstopped. The, the weak will find firm feet and the fearful of heart will know the strength of God. Journey itself will heal the people. Wow, this is a return journey like no other. Who doesn't want to go on a pilgrimage like this?
and exhausted people stumbling back to a place that they once occupied. No, 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 no. This is a people returning like an army on the march or like a, the biggest choir you can imagine coming, making a joyful noise. The biblical history demonstrates that they did return, but things were not easy. It wouldn't be long before they were occupied once again. And though they had much more religious fire in the belly to resist the Greeks and the Romans, there were a lot that capitulated or lost heart. And some were reminded of what Isaiah and the other prophets had predicted, that God would provide a third exodus, the exodus from the slavery of sin. And this would be the true and holy way which God would initiate through his Messiah, the perfect king, the servant who would come and take upon himself the sins of the world. Because the problem with civilizations is not civilizations. It's not out there. It's in us. It's in you. It's in me. The problem it's not something that we can engineer our way out of. We can't create our utopia through politics or science. And if we try to, we'll inevitably create something worse with each revolution. It is the dark and grim lessons of history, isn't it? No, the only perfect society that is within our reach is the one offered through Jesus Christ, through the New Jerusalem, through our identifying with him. It is his gift, not our work. I want to read to you today an extract as a way of conclusion from Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago. He sums up for me why trying to save the planet or make the world a better place without reference to Christ's redemption is a deep folly indeed. It was granted to me to carry away from my prison years on my bent back, which nearly broke beneath its load, this essential experience. How a human being becomes evil and how good. In the intoxication of youthful successes, I had felt myself to be infallible and I was therefore cruel. In the surfeit of power, I was a murderer and an oppressor. In my most evil moments, I was convinced that I was doing good and I was well supplied with systematic arguments. It was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states not between classes, not between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. I think it's true to say that we find ourselves in a difficult time. It's easy to scapegoat others. It's easy to see the problems just being out there. It's easy to be so pessimistic that we forget that God has given us a holy way that there is hope, that there is joy, and that there is end to exile. Thank you very much for listening, and God bless you all. And if you are struggling and anxious,
Then ask the Lord in prayer to show you his holy way. In Peter's first epistle, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Let him, that is Jesus, have all your worries and your cares, for he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. God knows what you're going through. Put your hand in his.